Hey, this is Barry, and you're listening to I Live the 90s, Alan and Brian. Welcome back to the I Live the 90s podcast, everybody. Today is episode 38. I am Alan, along with Brian. Brian. What to do, baby? Not much, buddy. Good to have you back. Uh, so serious. Why so serious? Let's lighten it up, bro. Yeah, man. Too serious last week, but I'm glad we did it. We talked about some very important things, but uh, we're going to get to some fun stuff today. We're doing a very different kind of episode today. We're going to play a little game called Ghost. We're going to do a version of that today. We're not going to strictly play Ghost. Um, we're just going to kind of ping pong back and forth between projects and actors. Yeah, we're going to do Ghost a little 90s style today, and of course, as always, we're going to go off to tell a couple of stories, uh, give some, give some, uh, <laughs> tell, tell some stories, uh, give some opinions, and uh, get into get into things, get things kind of sideways. So uh, we're, we're going to get into that, but first, let's check in with Office Hours to the guy who operates a red box out of his garage, Professor Barry. <laughs> He's back, baby. He's back. <laughs> Thanks, Alan. A few things to clarify and amplify here on episode 37, a heavier topic, uh, significant historical events in the 90s. Uh, Jumping right in to the uh, Rodney King affair, his uh, confrontation with police uh, occurred early in the morning after a high-speed chase through Southern California uh, as he was suspected of driving under the influence. Both the California Highway Patrol and LAPD were on the scene. The LAPD, led by Officer Stacy Kuhn, called off the highway patrol, and things escalated from there. We don't need to go into the uh, facts, uh, but uh, everyone uh, is aware that the officers were acquitted on state law charges, which precipitated the L.A. riots. That said, Kuhn and another officer, Lawrence Powell, were convicted on federal civil rights violations, and the city of Los Angeles was found civilly liable in the amount of $3.8 million. Speaking of Los Angeles, the Red Hot Chili Peppers were formed there in 1983. Under the Bridge was released uh, as an album track in 1991 off their uh, wildly successful Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Then, in early 92, it was released as a single, the second off that album, which was shortly before the riots began. Reginald Denny has uh, since moved to Arizona after his ordeal and largely retreated from public life, and as far as I could tell, he's still living, having been born in April of 1953. Now, there is one thing that I should probably um, uh, spend some time on here with the riots, and that's uh, the um, Koreans and Koreatown. It's true that uh, many of the Koreans in Southern California did uh, come to the fence of their brethren, but uh, unfortunately, that was only after Koreatown itself had suffered severe damage at the uh, onset of the riots and the uh, police and other authorities had been unresponsive. In any case, uh, the, uh, this proved to be a, a significant turning point in Korean-American uh, uh, life and culture as it led to marches and protests seeking greater identity and visibility. Uh, You're Correct, Do the Right Thing came out in 1989, which is a few years before the L.A. riots. Sticking with Spike Lee, 
and his feud with Reggie Miller, which bubbled up on numerous occasions, but quite famously in the 1994 NBA playoffs, specifically Eastern Conference Game 5, June 1st, 1994, at Madison Square Garden. The Knicks were up 70-58 to after three quarters. Then, Reggie Miller went off for 25 of his team's 35 points in the fourth quarter to get a game-high 39 and propel the Pacers to a 93-86 win and put them up 3-2 in the series. That wouldn't last long, however, as the Knicks would win the next two games, make it to the NBA Finals, before ultimately losing to the Rockets. Switching to the Branch Davidians, Allen did a good job on the facts. Uh, the siege lasted 51 days, ending on April 19th, uh, 1993, when we were in third grade. Uh, the mailman that tipped off the uh, folks at the compound wasn't just a Davidian, but was David Koresh's brother-in-law. Uh, regarding the child abuse, there was definitely... Uh, significant allegations of that, but uh, nothing has since been proven or had been proven before the siege. Some suspect that uh, that's because evidence was destroyed or manipulated, but it still has not been demonstrated beyond a shadow of a doubt that children were being abused. Uh, additionally, child abuse is beyond the legal uh, jurisdiction of the Department of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, things we should be keeping away from children uh, in any case. But uh, that also uh, led to controversy over some of the tactics used. In any case, Janet Reno was the presiding, uh, or was the attorney general at the time, and, uh, or I should say for part of the time, having only started that job March 12th of 1993 after the siege had already began. Talk about stepping into a uh, difficult situation. Speaking of tense situations, the Osama bin Laden raid was in May of 2011, longer ago than many of us thought, almost 10 years. Switching now to the Oklahoma City bombing, which uh, occurred on April 19, 1995, when we were in fifth grade. Uh, it's true, Timothy McVeigh was a supporter of the Branch Davidians, uh, even going down to Waco uh, at, during the siege to uh, lend his support. After the Oklahoma City bombing, he was driving away on I-35 and uh, was pulled over for uh, driving without license plates. Then he was uh, arrested for illegal possession of a firearm. Then, in police custody, it's when everyone realized that he was the man that everyone was searching for in the nationwide manhunt. He had, indeed, built a very large bomb in the back of a rider truck out of uh, fertilizer and other explosives, but it was so large... Uh, that he had to sort of buy, cheat, and steal uh, the goods over a period of many months and uh, keep them in separate locations so as not to arise um, more suspicion. A note on Ted Kaczynski, also known as the Unabomber, he may have been uh, antisocial and uh, a bit of a loner and had some extremist views, but he was also known to be uh, exceedingly intelligent, which is perhaps why he was able to um, get away with what he did for so long. Uh, lastly, uh, Court TV was founded in 1991, but really got going in 1994 with the help of two trials that captured the nation's attention. Uh, the first was the uh, Menendez brothers, who uh, stood on trial uh, for uh, killing their parents in Beverly Hills, California. The second, of course, was the O.J. Simpson trial. All right, Brian, back to you. All right, Professor Barium, thank you for doing what you do, Playboy, week after week, doing the Dang thing. I almost cussed there. I was just getting, I was feeling it, Alan. I was getting in the room. I was <laughs> hey, ready for it. Let it flow. <laughs> <laughs> Too many beeps. I've used all the beeps for this, this thing, season. Um, but good to see you again. Good to be back. Um, last week went really well. I know it was super serious. And 
got good feedback from a lot of people because it's just something we don't do. We even mentioned it two or three times, like in the episode. I think we kind of realized what was going on. So that was awesome, man, just to like do something different. But we're going to get back at it and we're going to do a concept show. Basically, I want to talk about a game we used to play in college. And I know it from like Sarah Chisholm. How did, did you, who introduced you to the game? It was, it was her and her roommate, uh, Meg uh, Fury. Okay. So it's called Ghost. It's basically like horse, but for movies. So you get in a circle and what's great about the game is it doesn't matter how many people are in the game. It's just alternating movie. You pick somebody from that movie. The next person goes and they pick an actor. And then the next person has to use that actor and pick another movie that that person was, was in. There's no repeating. And if you do, like you lose that round and you catch a letter G H O S T basically. And then you're out, out whenever it goes. So there's no repeating within the round, but you can, once you start a brand new round, use something that you came before. And it was impressive how long we could go. And I don't remember the actor that you would always get it to. Who's the Asian actor? Like that was an oh, immediate. Man. <laughs> My go-to was always uh, Bolo Young. Who's Bolo Young? Bolo Young was the, was the bad guy in uh, Bloodsport. He was strongly <laughs> in Bloodsport. <laughs> that guy had the most amazing chest of any human I've ever seen. Just that big bulbous barrel chest. He's the he's the first guy I saw in Hollywood uh, that could like bounce his pecs. <laughs> Just made a point to bounce his pecs in every scene. The only other actor that did that that much was a was Tiny Lister when he played Zeus in No Holds Barred, which I rewatched this past weekend with Father Ben, who was here this past weekend, with I, Mrs. I Live the '90s, who finally watched it for the first time. That was one of the last things I had left. Uh, to teach her uh, was about that was about just the greatness of no holds barred and uh, she she acknowledged that it was quite stupid but uh, but by the end of it she was imitating Zeus so I'm like great mission accomplished <laughs> now did he have a unibrow in that it was drawn on oh interesting it was like a instead little v right a natural yeah like instead of growing out a natural unibrow like uh like ad mm-hmm. like they sharpied it in <laughs> tiny lister rest in peace from friday movies from all sorts of stuff do you know what year that movie came out no holds barred yeah 1989 1980 oh so we can't we can't That's the only cover reason it. We haven't dedicated an entire episode just to that movie. I feel like we'd have to call in. Like I came into the friend group just after you all basically made a connection with that movie. So like I've always felt like a little imposter syndrome with that because I watched it much later. So I was already like geeked up about it just because everybody else is geeked up about it. But I didn't really understand why I was geeked up about it. Just that all the people <laughs> I like are get are getting uh, you know all up in arms about it. It's just one of those things. It's just it started really randomly. I was at a uh, a baseball game, a, a Texas Rangers game with mm-hmm. uh, with with Father Ben Ben mm-hmm. Little, and uh, the concept of and I didn't really know him that well. It was freshman year. I was just still kind of getting to know people. He lived in a different dorm, so he wasn't in my immediate vicinity of people that I had gotten to know. Yeah. And uh, we were just talking, and the concept of like really bad movies came up. <laughs> And I'd watched that movie when I was a little kid, and I just assumed I'm the only one that ever watched it because I was really into wrestling. So a Hulk Hogan movie was very important to me 
And I remember watching it as as a kid, but I didn't think anyone else did. Mm-hmm. And he brought it up. He goes, did you ever see a movie called No Holds Barred? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I have seen that. And then we just started talking about it. We're talking about it like almost the whole game. And uh, it ended up, we ended up finding it uh, somewhere. We, we ended up renting it somewhere there in Irving. And uh, I don't remember who was around the very first time we rented it and watched it. Um, and it just kind of grew organically after that. More and more people watched it. I remember Professor watching it with us in one of the dorm rooms mm-hmm. um, and, and being very tickled by it and entertained <laughs> by just how bad it was. And it just grew and grew. And then we ended up watching it uh, in, on the Rome campus in our semester abroad. And we ended up or- and we came back, we ended up organizing a viewing in the auditorium in Lynch. At, at University of Dallas, that was that was the epic. That was we finally made it. We took it all the way as far as we can go. Yeah, and, uh, made it a made it a university sponsored film viewing. <laughs> so I came in after all of that, basically. Like when I I knew you guys, we all knew each other, obviously. But uh, man, that's great to hear sort of the history of that. Um, but getting into today's show, we're doing a concept show. I talked a little bit about it already, called called ghost we're just gonna we're gonna see where it takes us there wasn't there wasn't much of a plan today we've kind of you know we're we've been going blowing and going um sort of unstopped this this season after a couple you know kickups in the in the beginning um so i just wanted to try something new and especially after last week and the heaviness of it like let's just kind of go off script be a little silly and like get back to to being us man um so i scoof around man i think uh i think it makes it only makes sense that we go back to the first year of the decade, 1990, and start with the movie Ghost. Um, there's a couple things in that movie that I think are like brilliant. We, you know, we talked about death scenes two episodes ago. There's an epic death scene in Ghost whenever Patrick Swayze's already dead, and like there's the I don't know his name, but he's one of those actors that like you know how Steve Buscemi just has one of those faces. This actor, he's like a, he's like the Colombian or like the Mexican or Puerto Rican, you know, Dominican version of Steve Buscemi. He's got like that <laughs> fro. He's kind of he's super ugly. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, the guy that the guy that I mean, spoiler alert, the guy that murdered Patrick Swayze. Spoiler alert, 2021. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, I'm, spo- I'm spoiling that in the movie called Ghost. Patrick Swayze is dead and is a ghost. <laughs> Not real life, Patrick Swayze. <laughs> um, so anyway, when that guy dies, like basically he's a bad person, so like bad spirits come to get him, and that's what I remember most about like that movie. Um, what are your What are your opening remarks on Ghost from nineteen ninety? Yeah, that that movie it was a little bit eerie, scary. Like as a as a kid watching that scene that you're talking about, where like the the evil demons kind of come and take a take the bad guy away was mm-hmm. uh was kind of creepy and then also earlier in that movie there was the uh gosh what's that actor's name he's real tall and real skinny and has very droopy eyes and he's in a lot of stuff he was in oh one, phil, phil was, leeds one, was he an emergency room ghost no he was the one on the train oh the ghost vincent on the train there. vincent his name is vincent Schiavelli, and I know exactly who you're talking about. He's a, he's a, he, he looks like a ghost. He looks like a yeah. live ghost. Yeah, he was a ghost that would just ride the subway. Yeah. And uh, he taught Patrick Swayze how to be able to touch things oh. uh, as a ghost. But uh, yeah, real creepy looking guy. He was, uh, 
only role I remember him in that he wasn't creepy, he was a science teacher in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the other, like, epic scene, um, after Patrick Swayze learns how to touch, he's already assumed, like, his medium's, like, body, Whoopi Goldberg. So he's, like, full-on Whoopi Goldberg. So, like, whatever the camera tricks, like, now you're just seeing Patrick Swayze, but... Demi Moore is only seeing Whoopi Goldberg, and they do like the the famous like pottery scene where like it's like yeah. spinning and their hands are together. <laughs> what a ridiculous movie! Hey, it was a good movie, man. I I I've I've always liked it. <laughs> We've done enough on Ghost. Do you have any 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 closing remarks on Ghost? No, I mean, why, why are you trying to push off Ghost, man? I mean, if you want to stay on Ghost, let's stay on. It's a good movie. All right, let's go. Stay on Ghost. Give me another two minutes on Ghost. Uh, there's a scene where Demi Moore is cooking spaghetti and using ragu. <laughs> <laughs> I was a prego man myself. Eh, no self-respect in uh, Italian. Not that I'm Italian. <laughs> uh, what do you <laughs> We'll use jarred sauce, brother. Wait, do you seriously? You 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 like make sauce every time? I never use jarred sauce ever. That's impressive. You know what I my go to right now is Lydia's. It's a little old blonde lady, and she put her face on the side, and she's got glasses, and she looks like a generic like white grandma, but her name is Lydia, and it's like Lydia's Classico. It's it's a uh, it's top shelf at the uh, Harris Teeter here in. Uh, mm. That's like upper, upper scale type stuff, man. Is, uh, is Paul Newman making sauce too, or is it just the salad dressing? I mean, if he made it, it'd be great. Paul Newman makes good everything. Except movies. <laughs> Was he a race car driver? Uh, like, like, did he play the part of a race car driver no, I in think a movie, like, or did he actually race cars? Paul Newman was like a race car driver. Oh, I, I didn't know that. I know, J I know Jason Priestley was a race car driver. Really? In Days of Thunder? No, like in real life. What? Like from, from 90210, he did that as a hobby. And he actually got, in a, I think, in a bad wreck one time. Really? Um, Paul Newman was a race car driver, definitely. Like a really good one. Um, he also, there's like a famous story about a, a watch he owns, and maybe a professor can, can tell it um, very succinctly. But the overall gist of it is a guy that was dating his daughter and was going to propose or had proposed was given a watch by Paul Newman like like the watch he was wearing during some spectacular like really famous race that he had won and there was only a certain number of these watches out ever um and it just went missing basically that guy had it didn't really know think about it put it in a uh, time time to safety deposit box basically and just like kind of mm -hmm. forgot about it and people were like searching the world all over for this thing and they didn't really know like what happened to it so like there was articles written about it or whatever and somehow either the daughter or like he went back and looked and realized like oh like i have it and by now like the lore and the story of this thing was just like where is it it's this epic thing it's this iconic piece of history um so he found it and he returned it to i think it was paul newman's daughter and they put it up for auction or he put it up for auction or somebody did and they ended up selling for like 17 million dollars oh wow yeah man um so paul newman i mean he he's kind of one of those like arnold schwarzenegger guys i know he's a little bit before our time and there wasn't much 
like I can't name a Paul Newman movie. I know him from like the salad and like I know Paul Newman because I know Paul Newman, not because I know anything about Paul Newman. Yeah, other than the color of money, uh, that's that's really all I got. Is that that's a pool? Is that Tom Cruise? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, sorry, we got off on Ghost. Are, are we done with Ghost? Yeah, Anymore? we're not on Ghost now. <laughs> okay, so let's pick an actor or an actress from Ghost. I'll 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 give you the floor first. I'm gonna read just the top line people. We've got Patrick Swayze. We can talk about Demi Moore. Uh, we can talk about Whoopi Goldberg. Just those three. That's who we'll, we'll pick from. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think what would be the best conversation starter and what, what can spawn more stories and, and conversations and ideas, but hometown bias is going to control. Patrick Swayze is an H-Town native, so I'm going with I'm going with Swayze. I have no problem with that, and I actually think it's the best because, like, I'm, I'm hesitant to say, but I'm almost pretty sure, bar none, he was a part of my favorite SNL skit ever. The one with him and Chris Farley both trying out for the Chippendales like role. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like that gif just used to be so like what I, I don't remember whatever whatever the first medium that we could use gifs on like that was like I think you could put it like as your avatar on MySpace or something or whatever. But that was like Chris Farley like shirtless. But like, you know, they have like just the collar. With the with the with the bow tie, the bow tie, yeah. <laughs> and then they wear like the uh, the the cufflink things. I don't know what that what those are called, um, but him just flexing in that just gigantic belly going everywhere. <laughs> <clears throat> um, I didn't know he was from he was from Houston. Yeah, I went to Waltrip High School along with uh, the Undertaker. Same time. Uh, about Undertaker. the same time. I don't know how much overlap there was, but uh. He went there, Undertaker went there, Shelley Duvall, the actress yeah. from uh, The Shining, she went there. Um, what quadrant of uh, Houston is that in? Northwest, southeast? Uh, northwest. So it's uh, it's actually not far from where I live right now. Like if, uh, if I had a child in high school mm-hmm. and I sent them to public school, they would be zoned to Waltrip. Ah, nice. Um, what else did he do? He, the other famous, like scene or, or movie was the uh the one where he's away at the camp nobody puts baby in the corner what movie was that oh um dirty dancing <laughs> dirty dancing uh yeah that's a uh, you know she stopped getting acting jobs because of her nose so she had an iconic like sort of off nose it was either to the side or too big or whatever she had money got a nose job and immediately stopped getting acting jobs it's not the same. Uh, just, I mean, just you, you. If you're, if it's worked for you, why change it? If you weren't getting jobs because your nose is so big, sure, go ahead. But I mean, look at Sarah Jessica Parker. She's allowed herself to maintain that ugly, foot-looking <laughs> face because she keeps getting work. I mean, as a person who has a, a huge schnoz, um, I. I actually sought you out on the University of Dallas campus because you had a bigger nose than me. And I thought, well, if I hang out with this guy, nobody will notice my nose. Uh, look at that. It changed your life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, here's a little fun trip from the, from the 1990s. Um, my mom actually legitimately asked me if I wanted to get a nose job. And I thought about it for about a week. And I was like, nah, I can't. I can't do it. But she, I think she was serious. She thought maybe... I was like really self-conscious about it or, or what, but she had the, the legit conversation of like, would you, is that something you think you would actually want? And I thought about it and I, I did not. 
I mean, I'd get one. Really? Yeah. Now or then? Well, I mean, I don't need one, but I mean, <laughs> I, don't, I, I would get one if, like, if someone presented to me and said, hey, free nose job. Yeah. Uh, I would say, like, yeah, sure. <laughs> like, like, like you're picking up groceries, like, oh, like, would you like fries with that? Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I won't, I won't, like, I won't, like, I won't motivate myself to do it. I wouldn't initiate it myself. Right. But if it fell in my lap, yes, I would, I would take one. Um, all right. I, I, I can respect that. She also, sort of tangentially, like, called my bluff on getting a tattoo. Because I always talked about getting a tattoo that I was going to when I turned 18, whatever, yada, yada, yada. And she was like, fine, let's, let's go do it. Let's go do it right now, tonight. It's like a Friday night. We'll go do it, and I'll, I'll sign off on it, and you can pick out your tattoo, and we'll get it for you. And I'd like totally back down. I was like, I want no part of getting a tattoo and making a decision like that. She knew me very well and played me like a fiddle <laughs> many times. Tattoos, that's something I was, I've never, I don't have any, um, I don't have anything against them. I yeah. just don't, it's just not something I've ever been interested in. Plus, I don't trust my own fickleness. <laughs> like, I think I would get bored with whatever I got very quickly. I could see you getting the old, like, Houston Astros H or something like that. Yeah, I mean, if I was Tango Blast, I mean, that has, that has different implications down here. <laughs> is, it, is that is that a, uh, is that a, uh... I, th- I think so, yeah. Right, I, think, well. I think that's a, I think that's a Tango Blast. What uh, is Tango word. Blast? I mean, I have an idea from context clues, but what, what is, ta- is Tango Blast a person? Is it a, is it an organization? It's a gang. It's, oh, okay. it's a, I, I, I think it's a branch, <clears throat> no, I, I think Tango Blast is the main gang, and then kind of like the Branch Davidians, the uh, Houston, the Houston gang is a branch or a subsidiary of the Tango Blast gang. Okay. We may need Professor to brush up on his uh, <laughs> gang regional history <laughs> for next episode. Um, fascinating. Fascinating stuff. Um, the movie I'm choosing... Sorry, do you have more Patrick Swayze tidbits? No, let's, let's keep going. The, the movie I would like to choose um, for Patrick Swayze is um, Tu Wong Fu, Yours Truly, Julie Newmar. Did you ever watch this movie? It's actually too long, Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. <laughs> this movie came up last weekend with Father Ben. I don't know how it came up. Okay. But it brought it brought I, I don't because uh, it has a uh, it has the... Snipe, has Wesley Snipes and John Leguizamo, yes. and they're all in drag. They all dress up as women. Yeah. I don't remember really anything about this movie other than that those three were in it and that they were drag queens. But I don't know <laughs> the plot. I don't know the premise. I don't know what it was about i just remember the ridiculous title and the fact and i remember they were on oprah i do i do remember this i remember oprah had them on as guests and they were talking about how they effeminate themselves oh and how how to make themselves walk like a woman and make it believable and be feminine and make it believable. those are like very macho guys oh yeah swayze and, and snipes especially um oh man so 1995. The only the reason I chose this, and I didn't look it up on IMDb, and that's why I messed up the name because I just I thought I remembered it, but I think this was one of the, like I can't remember what end it was, but I think it was on the tail end of when my parents would go watch a movie, and then rather than have so that they could go watch like an R-rated movie or PG-13 or whatever, they would let me pick out a movie that started somewhere within like 10 minutes of their movie, basically because that meant 
one way or the other, they could sit there until the credits started or, you know, they wouldn't miss any of the movie. Um, and I knew Patrick Swayze and I think I knew John Leguizamo and Wesley. I knew who those guys were. So I was like, oh, this looks funny. So I watched that movie by myself in the theater. And it's just a movie about these guys going across the country as like drag queens in, in a car that breaks down. And there's like an iconic scene where they're like in a, in a diner. I don't remember any plot points. I don't remember any like dialogue other than that was it. And I think I just really liked John Leguizamo who was in a lot of really, a lot of movies. So I've got, I've got no more on, on Tu Wong Fu. Thanks for everything. Julie Newmar or who, who that even was, if that was one of the characters, but uh, I, I concede my time to the uh, representative from Houston. Okay, so now I got to pick an actor, right? Yeah. Well, let's go with John Leguizamo then. John Leguizamo. My favorite John Leguizamo movie is The Pest. That is a good movie. <laughs> so what's the point? People are being uh, they're being hunted, right? Like he's just taken to an island by some rich people, and rich people want to like shoot a human. I th- I think so. It's kind of like the what, what's the story called? The deadliest game. Yeah. Where you just send a, a person out in the wild, uh, and and hunt hunt them for sport. Basically, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, John Lee was almost a lot. He had a really riveting role. Um, she came up actually in Professor's Notes last week, and I noted it. Um, Claire Danes, the Claire Danes Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Um, no, was it was it Claire Danes or was it? Gwyneth Paltrow, who played Romeo and Juliet. Do you remember this? Oh, no, no, that was clear. You mean with, uh, with Leo? I think yeah. that was Claire Danes. So, yeah. John Leguizamo is his cousin and gave like a, it was a weird movie because it was set in like modern times, LA, but it had all of the dialogue from like the original Shakespeare. And it was just like, I wasn't there. Like, I was not old enough to, like, follow it, one. I mean, reading the stuff is one thing, which we all had to do, you know, at school and college. And, like, reading it and taking your time and then having the page right next to it that has, like, the trans sort of loose translation or, like, updated version. But watching that in its time, it's like, man, this is a very jarring, like, what's going on. Because you think Romeo and Juliet is, like, it's like the classic love story. And you just kind of think, like, as a kid, like, well, it's probably going to be really boring. But it's an awesome story, which is why it's endured, like, forever. Yeah, yeah. I I just remember the uh, the opening scenes where the Montagues and the Capulets are kind of fighting with each other, and they kind of modernized. Yeah, they would fight. It was almost like a gang war. Yeah, I thought, I thought that was pretty well done. Like the Hugh Stones and the the Tangle Blast. The Tangle yeah. Blast. <laughs> um, he's done a lot of stuff now. He was in John Wick. Uh, did you ever see John Wick? No. Um, oh, that's a good movie. If you like action movies at all. That's a really good movie. That's Keanu Reeves, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, he's an Ice Age. Let's see. Here's trivia for you. Okay. What video game movie was John Leguizamo in? Oh, uh, the Mario <laughs> Brothers. He was Luigi. Mario. That's right. <laughs> what a bad movie. Yeah, I, I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing to say. It was awful. Dennis Hopper was in that movie. He was Bowser, right? Yep. You know who was also bad? Um, Bebop and Rocksteady. I was super disappointed in Bebop and Rocksteady in the like live action turtle movies. 
Oh, because they got freaking uh, Sheamus. They they got a wrestler, a WWE wrestler to play. Uh, I think Bebop. Mm-hmm. Like just get actors, people. <laughs> like just he has no he had no acting experience whatsoever. I mean, other than maybe The Rock, maybe Batista. Uh, let let's lay off the WWE actors. <laughs> so let's talk about. I mean, I guess we'll use the since we talked about the movie already. Let's use Romeo and Juliet um, to springboard. I mean, there's not much that needs to go, and we've talked about that movie just enough. But we can use the actors from it, which are Leonardo DiCaprio, Claire Danes, um, <laughs> Pete Postel, who you would know as the oh, what's that Boston movie where they're like robbing everybody? It's really, it's really good. Wait, Four Brothers. The other Boston movie where they're robbing everybody. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, it's got a uh, Ben Affleck and uh, Jeremy Renner. And they they end up stealing like three million dollars from uh, Fenway Park. It came out more recently. It's not a '90s movie. Oh, uh, I'm I'm not sure. It is the town. Anyway, oh, okay. The guy who played. Did you see the town? Do you remember it at all? No, oh, no, I haven't seen it. Oh, well, then you should go see that. Uh, do you want to do Leonardo DiCaprio or do you want to do Claire Danes? Let's do Leo. Leo. All right, take take take. Start us off with Leo. Well, I remember Leo when he was on Growing Pains. <laughs> what was his and character? He was. Uh, I think I forget what his name was, but he was a. It was very late in the show's run, and he was a friend of uh, Kurt Cameron. And okay. he had like a bad story, bad background. I think he was an orphan, maybe. And uh, Kurt Cameron kind of took him in, took him into the family. And what's funny is I remember, it's like I always remembered him for that. So no matter how big his career got or how big he blew up, I'm like, man, that kid from Growing Pains is uh, really uh, <laughs> really put, putting out some bangers. He was also like, I think his... He was in The Outsiders, too. We talked about all the people that were in The Outsiders. He was a kid-fighting scout. It was like some nobody in The Outsiders. Leo DiCaprio was in The Outsiders? Uh, the TV series. My apologies. I should have... Oh, I should okay. Have. I don't have to say. <laughs> um, I think... I think... He was in a Madonna video. You sure you're not thinking of Vanilla Ice? <laughs> Wait, Vanilla Ice was in a Madonna video? I think so. What does that mean? No, not a video. Not he was in a book. He she had like a sex book, and okay. I think he was in that book. She had like slept with him. Yeah. Oh, you know. And, and Sam Cassell. Uh, I am looking at it now. It is not Leonardo DiCaprio, but it's a kid named Felix Howard. But he's he's Leonardo DiCaprio esque, so I can see why I was confused uh, about that. But he was in What's Eating Gilbert Great. That guy, he was like born a star like he just had it we talked about arnold having it and like how he popped up the screen like leonardo dicaprio was always really good at acting i think anything that he's kind of ever done it was one of those like susan lucci things where he finally like i don't know how good the revenant was i never saw it but it was like basically like you've just been so good for so long and there's not like a really strong case for anybody else so sort of as a you've had a great career here's an oscar i feel like yeah I remember even in um, Hoop Dreams, if you ever that? saw that, but no. he, he's a basketball player that becomes an addict, 
And uh, the way he he had this way of uh, like twitching his mouth, mm-hmm. like when he was with with suffering from withdrawals and had the craving and needed some crack or cocaine or whatever it was he was addicted to, mm-hmm. and it was so believable. Like you felt the discomfort that he was going through of that character. That, yeah, that, that he was going through to try to get that fix. It was really well done. I feel like he's bizarro Mark Wahlberg. When I see Mark Wahlberg. I'm always very acutely aware that I'm watching Mark Wahlberg. Like, it's oh, it's Mark Wahlberg as, like, the cop. Oh, it's Mark Wahlberg as the homeless guy. Oh, it's Mark Wahlberg as, like, the bear's friend. It's always Mark Wahlberg because he's the same exact human. And when I watch Leonardo DiCaprio, he's much more in that vein of, like, Tom Hanks, which I you just forget you're watching Tom Hanks, or who's the guy that played the Joker most recently? Um, Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, Joaquin Phoenix. Fantastic yeah. actor. It's like... You just get so absorbed in their in their performance. It's like, man. Uh, so testament to like who he is and like just being an incredible actor forever. Yeah, yeah, and he still looks the same. <laughs> I mean, look, look at not age. We can literally pick any of these. There's obviously Romeo and Juliet '96, Titanic '1997, Gangs of New York, Catch Me If You Can, The Aviator, The Departed. Um, Shutter Island, Inception, he kind of came back. Jay Edgar, man, like, just banger after banger. Like, maybe he's up there with, like, the greatest actor of our generation. Yeah, no, for sure. He's definitely in the conversation. You bring up Titanic. Okay. Titanic, Billy Zane wears a a wig. He is, like, magnificently bald, though. Like, that's just, like, that's a a good bald head. I mean, why cover it up if that's the case? (laughs) Billy Zane, he was like a, a professional model, and I remember like having that like, ooh, it's Billy Zane when I watched Zoolander. Yeah, <laughs> he's like brought in as like the professional judge to walk to, to to judge the the walk off. Yeah, he was in, uh, you know, he was in Back to the Future. He was Biff's. He was one of Biff's uh, lackeys. Interesting. In just the first one, or did he reprise his role? Definitely the first and second. Billy Zane. Um, was he at the epic fight scene when, when Biff gets punched out? Uh, no, I okay. don't think so. I think Biff was by himself. Billy Zane. Billy Zane's great, man. He's, just, he's one of those guys that, like, even though he plays the bad guy, he's still kind of likable. Yeah. Look, I, I, I usually... I always pay attention to the bad guy performances. Okay. Because you, you really got to be good to actually get heat. So, like, you got to be good at being a bad guy to, to draw heat. Yeah. And actually get people not to like you or, or get the viewer not to like you. And that's why I have so much fun with um, the villains in the Adam Sandler movies. Like, <laughs> Shooter, Shooter McGavin, such a great, such a great freaking bad guy. He really is. <laughs> uh, Carl. Uh, not Carl, um... The bad guy in Billy Madison. Carl's the one he likes. There was the other one. Eric? Eric, yeah, Eric. <laughs> That's all. Yeah, Bradley, I don't know his last name, but he's a, he's a great bad guy too. Actually, very well cast. All, Adam Sandler does like get really, really good bad guys because even his, his good buddy who's in like all of his films, who's like the quarterback on the SCLSU Mud Dogs, like even that guy's yeah. unlikable. Yeah. <laughs> even the wedding singer, uh, Glenn. 
just Miami Vice style John Don Johnson one. He's just such a such a great bad guy. Oh man, we're gonna go off script here. I want to talk about Adam Sandler a little bit. Adam Sandler is we haven't done it yet. We, we even if we do a full on episode later, I want to talk about him a little bit. So we're gonna go off script. We both lost the game Ghost here, so we're just gonna do whatever we want at this point. We had another 15, 20 minutes. Um, what's your favorite Adam Sandler movie? Wedding Singer. Is it because Billy Idol's in it? Because Billy Idol's in it, because it's 80s. Look, y'all think I love the 90s, but yeah. I really love the 80s. Um, so that, I get can't ready that for joke. the spinoff. We, we got a spinoff podcast coming up soon if I, <laughs> I live in the 80s. I mean, I'm for it. I'm, I'm, I'm all about it, Alan. I, I don't know anything. I, you, you've gone back and reached that. Like, I, I have no recollection of my, my time in the 80s. You know what I remember about Billy Idol, though? Is being like very aware that uh, watching that uh, Billy Idol video with like the neighbor and he's like knocking on the door and it's the young woman. That was a that was oh, a eye op- cradle of cradle of love. That was an eye opening experience for me. That's all I'll say. Good, you know, everyone has their awakening moment. <laughs> I guess that was that was yours. MTV man, the MTV was no good, no good then. Don't let your kids watch MTV, folks. <laughs> I I have seen Billy Idol in concert twice. So and, he must be good uh, if you went back and saw him again. Absolutely rocked out the show, man. Uh, how big was the venue? Uh, not that big. It was at the House of Blues both times. Perfect. That's as much as anything. Like you'd rather have in a sortly a slightly smaller venue than needed for it, so that it's like got energy, right? It's got juice in it. I think I've I've always kind of liked that. You know, we talked about the, I don't know if we've talked about it on the, on the podcast here, but still my favorite concert that, that I've ever been to is the Killers concert you and I went to that weekend that I'd spent like 36 hours in Houston just like doing whatever we wanted to do. Yeah, that was a, gr- that was a great show. That, that venue wasn't, I mean, that venue wasn't super small. No, it was, but um, I feel like the Killers could have played a bigger place potentially. They could have, and they did about a year later mm-hmm. and, um, and sold out. Right. That was great timing, great timing. Um, but back to Adam Sandler. So the music in that is incredible. The uh, <laughs> who plays the boy? Who sings the boy George song? Oh, it's uh, the art uh, Alexis Arquette. Arquette. Okay, yeah. Do yeah. you really want to hurt me? <laughs> and that's the one song that he knows, and he just keeps <laughs> playing it, singing it on a repeat. He's got like the flock of seagulls hair too. No, he had the boy George haircut. There was a there was a flight. Um, there was a guy that worked at a gate at the airport that had the flock of seagulls hair. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Wait, so what's the the boy George haircut? It was just like teased out in the front, like with a perm, basically, right, and kind of yeah. like swooped over. <laughs> I think my mom yeah, had that haircut. Always has a hat. <laughs> what's your favorite boy George song? Uh, Clock of the Heart. Oh, that's the only answer. That's the only answer. Thank you so much That's for knowing great, that. That is a great freaking song, man. That's going to be the outro. I'm calling it right now. I never do this, but I'm calling it. It has nothing. It's not, it didn't come out in the 90s, but that's a great song. And I'm going I'm to put the entirety of it. Please do, start to finish. <laughs> just like no Barry. Just like, it's just clock of the heart. We'll get, we'll get <laughs> deplatformed, demonetized, de-everything. Um, I think my favorite Adam Sandler movie is the one with Mrs. Pete Sampras. Um. Billy, oh, Billy Madison. Madison. Yeah, Billy Madison's just great. I don't like the voice that he does, but I get it. Um, and then second to that is probably Big Daddy. Big Daddy was incredible for me. 
think that was a good movie. That's the one that I kind of forget about when I think about his 90s kind of lineup. The one that I really forget about is uh, Little Nicky. Oh, I was already out on... Yeah. <laughs> was he in Grandma's Boy, too, or was that... That was his crew, but I okay. don't think he... Was, and I think he produced it, but uh, okay. but he wasn't in it, I don't think. I yeah, think. no, I was already off the the Sandman train when when Little Nicky rolled through. I think I I think I could see the writing on the wall uh, for that one. That was with Kevin Nealon. Who can we talk about a comedian from the '90s that I just never got? Like I didn't get Norm Macdonald either, but I've at least gone back and understood like the the genius of Norm Macdonald. But I go back and I watch Kevin Nealon. I'm like, who thought this guy was funny? Uh, I don't know. I think Kevin Nealon's really funny. What's his bit? It's that's the thing. He doesn't have a bit. He just does what he does very well. I'll give I'll give you an example. Okay. So uh, the Moz man, T- Tim Moz, when we were doing our Girls Got a Voice episode and we we're talking about Blossom, and then he brought up the funny, funny SNL skit. <laughs> that was uh, good. Where they're making fun of Blossom, and then uh, Kevin Neal didn't have any speaking part at all, but he plays the dad playing the piano. While while Blossom while fake Blossom is just like dancing all all stupid on on top of it, again he's not saying anything he's not really doing anything but he just he did that so well and so funny. Well, well that is that is nuanced comedy then and I that is above my pay grade. Yes, nuanced comedy. He's he's been very good in his few spots on uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm as well. Okay. Uh... I never, I, I I watched that show. It was too hard for me to watch. Kind of like people feel with The Office. It's just too difficult to watch. Just like cringy? Or? Yeah, I just can't. I can't. I don't like the way it makes me feel. Same thing with like why I don't bet. I don't go to casinos. I don't do any of that. I just, the, the, the potential of winning never feels as slimy as it does to lose, basically. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Kind of like when you get to, it's a movie that you like and you've watched a million times, but when it gets to that stressful part of the movie, you're just like like i know everything's gonna work out but i don't like this feeling of waiting for it to (laughs) to sort itself out very very true very true Um, another kevin nealon thing you brought it up the the swayze farley skit where they're chippendale dancers he was one of the judges and him just very straight face very matter of fact telling (laughs) chris farley how like fat and bad he was That but after funny, like the the compliment sandwich, okay, he 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 plays an incredible straight man. I will give you that. Okay, that's his bit. All right. I mean, there's some guys. SNL's had like there's some guys that have had some serious careers on SNL where I'm like, how did you last so long? Another guy like that is um, Will Forte. Do you know who Will Forte is? Uh, which one's he? He's on Last Man Standing. He's on, his, he had his own show or no, The Last Man on Earth or something like that. Generic blonde hmm. guy. You can look him up. I'm um, doing it right now. The other one is Chris Parnell, who is Dr. Spachemin on 30 Rock. Oh, yeah, I know him. Chris Parnell's awful. What you got on Will yeah. Forte? I got nothing on either of these guys. I mean, just <laughs> very, 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 I don't know. But, I, I know I know Parnell's been on SNL forever, but I can't even think of one bit he did that I liked. Exactly. He had the Chronicles of Narnia. That was it. And that was at Andy Samberg. Yeah, what happened to him? He's on Brooklyn Nine Nine. He uh, it's a it's a really funny show. We watched the first two seasons and then kind of checked out just because every you know what? Let's talk about this. TV is interesting because when it's meant to be, 
week to week and you're supposed to come back every week, you can do a lot of the same things and be formulaic in it, but you get away with it because there's an entire week in between episodes. So people kind of forget what stuff. And when you watch like two or three shows in a row and you can binge them, it's not a big deal. Like you get it. But if you try and watch an entire season of a show that is supposed to be seen over 20 weeks, you notice just like there's basically like three or four types of episodes and then it's just like plug and chug and it's really, it gets bizarre. It's unlike a a show that was done. That's what makes like Breaking Bad or something like that really good. Like, well, we have an idea and it's going to take six episodes and we're just going to do six episodes instead of like, well, we got to do 20 because that's what they're, they're calling for. Um, and that's kind of what where, where we got to with like Brooklyn Nine Nine. But he was brilliant, man. Like all his digital shorts, and then he was like the lead singer of like the that band is just incredible too. Like all the songs, him and Justin Timberlake making three versions of the same song that I absolutely oh, yeah. love. <laughs> um, so he's a big star. I mean, he's kind of a big deal. All right, I don't know. I just other. I mean, I've heard of Brooklyn Nine Nine. I haven't really watched it, but I mean, I just I just don't. It just doesn't seem like he's on the scene. He's had a couple of those like cult type following movies cult classic movies that like got really funny sort of afterwards but never like that yeah this guy's a bona fide star like will what did we talk about last time that you don't like will uh will ferrell will ferrell i say i don't like him i just said i don't like him when he's the stuff when he's in a starring role um what i think i want to go back to like adam sandler did you like Happy Gilmore or Billy Madison more? Uh, I like Billy Madison more, and I'll tell you why. Why? Um, I liked that movie as a kid, obviously, for all the kid-type reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, it's slapstick, it's immature, it's everything that a you know a fifth grader would find very funny. Mm-hmm. But I've re- I've watched that's one of my favorite movies, and I've watched it a lot into adulthood. That movie is more smart funny than i think it gets credit for okay so like at the jeopardy or the academic decathlon thing at the end where like one of the categories <laughs> is 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 a burning dog poo in the human response and it's a call and it's a call back to when they were lighting yeah bags of bags of poo on on, on fire at the beginning of the movie like i, I don't know I, I just i find that very smart funny <laughs> The uh, the revolting blob wrestling yeah. magazine. You know, yeah. I, just, I don't know. I just, I it, it's uh, it's smart funny. It's not stupid funny. People assume it's stupid funny. Which is a I fine find it smart funny. It's a fine line, and when you do it well, it it, it adds to you know it enriches the, the the movie, which is why it's like so freaking good and why it holds up. Uh, I made Suzanne watch it sometime in the last five years, and she she didn't hate it. I think she could at least see it. I made her watch all those movies. Happy Gilmore, all of them. Um, she humors me, um, but she's she's not like a monster fan of them. Yeah, have you um, just changing gears because we're talking about you know spouses and movies and what they like, what we like. Yeah. Have you watched the Have you watched Coming to America yet? No, and I don't think I'm going to. I uh, I liked the first one uh, a lot, like everybody. Um, and there's such. It's such a hard thing to do. We talked about this. What we talked about this this season, right? How it's how hard it is to to reintroduce something when everything when like the original is already like solidified as its own thing, and to come back really takes like something fresh, 
the way that the Ralph Macchio Cobra Kai type stuff has. Like there, there's a twist to it that comes. Um, so this one, once I kind of heard the premise of it, which is like at while he was over here, he ended up knocking somebody up, basically, right? That's right. Who's the mom? Leslie Jones. Oh. Give me Will Forte <laughs> and and uh, Chris Parnell. <laughs> Oh, I did watch it. We, okay. we did watch it. And uh, Coming to America, the original, is one of my all-time favorites. I quote it all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's just – I love that movie. I absolutely love it. And uh, I didn't have high expectations going into this because I knew what the premise was, and I found it very lazy. Yeah. Long-lost son story arc. Ugh, come on. Uh, can't you think of something more original? And then, you know, I 10 minutes into the movie, you know, you know exactly where – going mm-hmm. uh, but the thing is the elements were there it was just executed very poorly i think with just more effort as far as storyline and script writing and um just creativity they had almost everybody back they they, they it was all there it was yeah. right there they could have made it so much better but um but one thing that i found very interesting is I feel like they miss their target audience. The target audience should be us. People yeah. that love and are obsessed and just are feverish about just how good the original movie is. Those are the people you want to please. Mm-hmm. I feel this movie, they made it to attract younger people, people that don't necessarily um, know or, or hold in, hold in as high regard the first one. So, for example... Mrs. I Love the 90s loved it. She thought it was hilarious. Oh. More than the first one. Interesting. So I'm like, maybe this was repackaged and geared toward, you know, more, I guess, millennial kind of way of of thinking and way of entertainment. But for us older people, for us that are slightly older that really like the original one, it just it was a misfire. So a couple questions, just like. For those of you that may go watch this, spoiler alerts are potential here. Um, was McDowell's a part of it? Yes. Okay, good. That's good. Was, so Again, the I'm still... telling you, all the elements were there. Eric LaSalle Everyone, was Eric... still? What? Eric LaSalle came back? No, no. And oh. he, was, he, was, he was one of the only ones missing. I, I wanted that soul glow in there so bad. <laughs> but uh, apparently he had a conflicting project and couldn't do it. But pretty, But pretty much everybody else is in there. I mean, um, all the barbershop guys, uh, Randy Watson, the preacher. I mean, every, sexual every chocolate character. Yep. <laughs> what a great band name. Um, man, that's that's a real bummer, dude. I'm I'm I'm. I, that was my fear, kind of going in, and and I get it. What what would you have thought if they had just come back and been like, dude? What is that dynamic between? Is he still Prince Hakim? Prince Akeem? Yes, he starts the movie as the prince. Okay. Yes. Oh, James Earl Jones. Oh, that's some real spoiler alerts. All right, so what's the dynamic between Mr. McDowell and Prince Akeem? thing is, Mr. McDowell's barely in the movie. He's there. Oh. But he's just there because they want to put him in there. Because, okay, that's, that's a callback to the first one. Let's put him in here. But it's not... It's more so about Akeem and his long-lost son. That's the thing. I don't want to see... I don't, I don't want to see his son. The movie was very son-centric. I want to see Akeem. 
Yeah. I want to see Arsenio, you know, Semi. I want to see, I, I don't care about the Sun story arc. I want to know about Akeem and everyone else. I mean, if we can say something about the movie positive, they all look great. Like, every single one in that, like, movie, like, looks great. They've held up well. They've not aged. I mean, they've aged appropriately, but, like, they've aged really well as well. Oh, yeah, they look great, especially Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes wasn't in the first one. But oh. He looks freaking great, man. Does he? He, he looks so young. Well, maybe he paid his taxes. He didn't have that uh, stress anymore. <laughs> um, shutting it down. Let's finish up a little bit here on, uh, <coughs> on uh, Coming to America. I have a couple more questions. So they didn't flesh out that dynamic there. They spent time in the barbershop. Just a little bit. I could have used just more. just touching on stuff. Man, that's a that's a bummer. Who played the, the, the kid? Like his son. Do we know? Is it a nobody? No one. I've, I did not recognize him. Um, you know what else was good? And maybe this is what they were trying to do. And it was just such a wildly different story. Creed. Did you watch Creed? Yes, and I liked it. Great I movie. That was well. I feel like yeah. maybe that's what they were kind of going for. Because that was one of those ones that... It was updated. It was made for a new generation, but I still really liked it because the story was good. It still was true to the original, where this one just seems like, oh, we're going to nod. We're going to give a nod to it, but it's not going to be, you know, it doesn't seem like it's in the same universe. It just seems like, oh, it doesn't seem like a continuation. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Um, interesting, man. Um, what a wild ass episode. This was fun. Um, it went kind of everywhere like I thought it would be. We're not on task. It's kind of what we do well. We filled up the time. It, this, these things fly by whenever we do stuff like this. I kind of look down like, oh, got to wrap it up. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, any any parting shots on any of the stuff that we talked about today that you want to flush out more or, or that you want to call back to um, or uh, get us to a sign off? I say uh, play some ghost, y'all. Next time y'all are, y'all are on a long road trip when uh, when Corona's over and y'all are going to travel somewhere with the family or, or going on a long drive to, to, to see somebody, play some Ghost. It, it really is fun. All you need is th- just three people, three, four people. Yeah. You know, one car's worth of people and just go. And, and you'll see how much fun you have playing it. I love it, buddy. Uh, good to see you again. Um, what's, let's, let's do a little producing on the fly here. Are you available next week? No, okay. uh, my 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 re- rescheduled home repair work, floor work is supposed to start Monday. Okay, so that so means we got... should have started a month ago, but <laughs> one thing after another happened and it's been delayed. So it is supposed to happen starting Monday. All right, so we'll we'll look for look for a new uh, or or a, a re- returning guest host next week, guys. Uh, thanks for joining me, buddy. Uh, have a have a good evening. Take care, y'all. Thanks for listening to I Live the 90s. You can find past episodes along with the companion blog with photos on the website, ilivethe90s.com, 90s spelled out. You're also invited to join the private Facebook group. Lastly, you can listen to Alan Bryan on Apple or Spotify. If you subscribe or leave a comment, it helps more people discover the podcast. We really appreciate your support.